This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. And I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, our editor, editor, editor of the Peninsula Pulse. <laughs> editor, editor. Yeah. Thanks, That's Miles. Official title. That's a way to say like you're more of the editor. Is that, did I just get a promotion? <laughs> yeah, that's what happened right? Live on air. There you go. Editor um, squared. Yeah. Deb is in the middle of a very busy week. So thanks for hopping into the podcast booth. We have a short week with the 4th of July landing next Tuesday. Which, for those who don't live in our world of trying to put out a publication each week and might say, well, why does the 4th of July matter in getting your paper out? And that is because we, we have to send our paper to Madison to get it printed and truck it up here. And then we distribute it with a bunch of our own delivery guys, our, our great paperboy delivery guys. And then also recently, a lot of Deb's taken a paper route. I've taken a paper route. But there's a lot of convoluted ways. And then we also are reliant on the post office schedule. So... When the 4th of July falls on a Tuesday, <laughs> it bumps our schedule in odd ways. So we have a short week and a compressed week to gather all this news. And Deb, you've been busting your butt to make it happen. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think it will. <laughs> well, it will. We know it yeah, will. Yeah, it's going to get there somehow. Yes, we've never had blank pages, I yeah. don't think. <laughs> yet, <laughs> yet. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Like I would. Anyway, before we get started, we're going to talk about a bunch of news topics that have come up that I think a lot of people are going to be pretty interested in. One of those being roundabouts, which are always a popular topic in Door County. And then some graffiti at Ephraim's Anderson Dock, a broadband update, which everyone's always interested in, and some other news. But first, obviously, it's coming up on the 4th of July holiday. And we've got a bunch of information in the paper this week about all the things you can do. Mm. I'm going to be slinging burgers. Where? In front of the Bailey's Harbor Town Hall for the Ridges. Oh. So come by and grab a burger. Do you make a good burger? I, I have no... Uh, yes, I make an excellent burger. Deb's a vegan. She has no... She's never <laughs> eaten meat before. I was just about to say, I have no idea. If I <laughs> However, I, you know, I'm sure I can do a burger. See, I really like to grill chicken. That's my specialty. Oh, yeah? Yes, I have this awesome rub in the secret I would never give away. And so I do this most weekends, but when it comes to just a simple burger, because I like a charcoal grill, I don't like a, a okay. electric grill. So I love using charcoal and I, but when I try and do burgers for some reason, everything suddenly falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can just bring some chicken and do that instead of the burgers. Well, yeah. Next staff outing, our, our next gathering, you're going to cook for us all. I would be grill. happy to do that because I'm really very good with this recipe. I'm telling hey, you, I, I got to taste it. I'm in. It. Okay. Well, what are awesome you doing for 4th of July? <laughs> well, I am going to bounce all over the place trying to keep my kids entertained and I've got four of my five siblings coming into town. Oh my gosh. So it's going to be a crazy week but yeah I'll be 8 a.m. on the 4th. I aim to be down at the Hairpin Run okay. in Fish Creek. Our Pacers group is helping uh, the Friends of Gibraltar put that event on and then you can do the hairpin and finish in time to get to the Bailey's Harbor Parade at 10 if you want. And the pancake breakfast first. And pancake breakfast before that. Yes. And get some burgers from Deb. Yes. Uh, the new 4th of July tradition. <laughs> and 
Then the Egg Harbor Parade's at 1.30, and with all my family in town being a an Egg Harbor family originally, we're going to try and get over there and do that parade as well. So we're going to see how much I can cram into that day and how much a one-year-old and a three-year-old will do with me. Ooh. But I like the challenge. Fireworks in there too? Yeah, we'll hit fireworks. I don't know. There's so many fireworks. There like are. The first in Fish Creek, the third in Egg Harbor, fourth in Bailey's and Gill's Rock. On the 8th, there's fireworks in Sister Bay. I am even missing some. Oh. You, and you don't have to remember all this because we have an insert in this yes. week's paper. So Way to bail me out. This yeah, <laughs> it is um, the parades, the fireworks, all of the community celebrations. Everything live is live music in there. highlights. Oh, yes. Because there's live tons music. of great live music in the next week. It's all in one handy two-page. Is that two pages? Yeah, yeah I think it's a, two pages. Yeah, front and back. You can just pull it out, carry it with you, take right. it everywhere you go, find out where and when. Everything's going on because right now everyone's sitting at bars and coffee shops and texting each other's family going, well, what time does the parade start? And they're probably going to ask that. I'm going to get that question like 44 times in the next three days from my sisters and my nieces and nephews. So I'm sure there's a lot of other people in the same boat. Do they all stay in Egg Harbor? So you, it's kind of interesting because you grew up in Egg Harbor, but you, you live in Sister Bay now. Mm-hmm. And that is your community now. But when yeah. your siblings return... Egg Harbor is still there. That becomes the center because my dad's still down there. That's right. That's right. This time, a couple of them are staying there. There will be a few staying at my house. Mm. (laughs) Like there might be overflow, like landing on a marina or something. I don't know where they're all going to stay. Do they do like rock, scissors, paper to get to stay at your house versus having to go to a hotel? There is a little bit of a battle. I'm sure. Well, also because... They want to play with my kids. Mm. So who gets to hang out? And I'm just like, well, whoever's the best babysitter that allows me to go out, <laughs> that's who gets to stay up. That's who gets first dibs. Low maintenance, take care of my kids, you can stay. Do you have to rotate it? In I, order we to do. Keep, actually, okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would think so for goodwill in the family. And it, and it changes with like the age. So when we had, when the kids were newborns, it's more like, okay, if you have dogs that wake up and move around and might wake the baby, you can't stay you can't here. Stay. <laughs> or if, if you are a late night person or you, if, or you don't pull your weight, you, yeah, you're, it's not the time for you. But if you're the good babysitter at that age and you're great with the little baby, all right, now you can stay there. But then <laughs> there's different nieces that are different points, different nephews at different points in their lives that are better for the three-year-old versus hmm. the newborn. I'm learning the whole thing. Okay, cool. I'm trying to well, optimize my experience here <laughs> in hosting people. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, especially to have that many people. And then if one, any of them are able to chop wood or mow a lawn, I'm oh. all for that too. <laughs> if that doesn't happen very often for me. How many nieces and nephews do you have for all of these chores? I'll, I'll probably get this number wrong. I think if I eliminate my... So my dad has 15 grandkids <gasps> and there's a 16th on the way. Oh, wow. So that means I have 14 nieces and nephews. Yeah, Interesting. I can do the math there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. I have two. <laughs> that is crazy. I can't Let's even imagine. Let's just say I stopped trying to buy presents for all their birthdays no kidding. In, in Christmas. I can't afford that. Well, do they all buy you a no, present? No. Okay. Our family's not really good at birthdays and mm. and Christmases mm. in general. My wife is really good at it, so I'm, I'm trying to learn. But, like, she was always shocked with, like, are you getting presents for them? I'm like, no. because no. that's 15 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's out of necessity that I, you had to. Even if I just tried to buy them each lunch once a year, yeah. I'd be broke, so... <laughs> All right. Anyway, there's your 4th of July primer of the Danhausen household. And let's move on to what people care about. (laughs) First up, let's talk about roundabouts. Because 
before you moved back, there was oh. a big controversy here in Sturgeon Bay when they proposed putting in roundabouts along the Highway 42 in Sturgeon Bay by the business district entrances. And everyone thought it was going to lead to huge pileups and people fought against it because it was new and they couldn't bother to learn the data from tons of other communities that they are better. And then once they were put in, they really have not heard boo about them. They haven't led to a massive pileup of accidents Mm -mm. and it's just moved traffic. I like not sitting a stoplight anymore. I love them. I think they're fantastic. So do I. They weren't there when I left, as you pointed out, when I left in 2008, they were not there. And when I came back, I was like, what is this? So I didn't know that they were controversial, though. Yeah, yeah, it was, Yeah, people, there are people who have never left the county and seen a roundabout before. Oh, so. they're fantastic. I love them. I mean, I know that I'm always going to get around really fast. I mean, they're, it's just, they're great. Yeah, and th- those stoplights, I mean, back in the day, you'd have these really long backups at those stoplights. Now, traffic moves pretty quickly. They're talking about putting in a new one. And so tell us where that is and why they're talking about this one. So this new one is at what's called the Culver's intersection, but it's technically State Highway 4257. We we need a Pulse intersection, by the way. We want to brand an intersection as the Pulse intersection. That's really really lucky for Culver's. Wouldn't it it be, wait, it would be E, 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 and F. F. F and 57. And 57. Let's call that the Pulse intersection. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Some people might say Cornerstone or a Town Hall, but I'm going to put it as the Pulse. I know. And I, you know, I mean, I do call it the Culver's intersection. I think a lot of people do. And you're, it's great advertising for them. It's yeah. like word of mouth. Everybody who doesn't know where this is now. It's like Penn Players Road. Yes. I mean, right. for Peninsula Players, how great is that? We should rename 57 Peninsula Pulse but- Road. <laughs> there we go. That's a better. Anyway, I've taken us well, off track. We're going to have to actually take care of it first. I had too much coffee today. Sorry. <laughs> That's anyway, okay. the roundabout at Culver's. The roundabout at Culver's. So it is uh, technically County Road BB and Gordon Road. Lots of accidents there. And most of those accidents occur when people are trying to come off of Gordon Road and go north on the highway. Okay. So if you grab a burger, for instance, and you're coming back on, you want to continue north, that's when most of the accidents happen. But they really, the incidents the fatalities, most of the fatalities happen that way, but most of the incidences happen in, at various ways that they turn. So the county had decided that it was going to close off that option for motorists, and it is going to make that happen. But meanwhile, the Department of Transportation was applying for a grant or funding to be able to put in some kind of intersection modification. They're not calling it a roundabout. Very technical term. Yes, yes. When I talked with them... After I found out they had received the grant and I, you know, spoke to the person who had applied for it and he's like, well, we can't really say it's a a roundabout yet. It's an intersection modification because they have to go through public hearings. And if people don't want that, then it could be some other kind of modification. So I asked him what the options were. He said there really weren't any options that that is what they probably will be recommending. So it's probably going to be a roundabout. So it's a dangerous intersection. Meanwhile, the county is going to spend about $215,000, I think it is, to block the northbound route. Okay. And then when the roundabout comes in in 2027, which is about as early as it could, all of the improvements that they're going to make with that money right now are going to be gone. What does it mean to block the northbound route? Just like not have a lane going toward that road? Yes, they have to put, yes. So right now you can come down that intersection and there is nothing prohibiting you from turning left to go north. 
So they are going to be putting in a blocker there and and they call it a divider. So it will prevent you from being able to come around and and go that way. So kind of, it looks to me like it sticks out into the highway to prevent that from happening, but don't take my word on that. I could be (laughs) looking at the map wrong, but in some way they are modifying it so that it will be impossible to do that. Okay. And just trying to put this in the minds of, of listeners of why this ends up being a, a dangerous intersection if they didn't, if it, this doesn't make sense to them. The, the highway there is a 45 mile an hour speed limit. Often, if there isn't a lot of traffic, cars are going faster, 55, maybe 60. And if you're turning left out of that intersection, a lot of times you're trying to because the traffic is coming from both ways there. So you might be trying to get in front of somebody coming from the south, going north, and then also beat somebody across who's going south. So people take risks yes. in making that turn. And then other people don't stop in time often as people are trying even to turn onto the Culver's right. road. So there's, it's not a great description, I don't think, but it just becomes a little complicated and people take risks that they maybe shouldn't take because they, they're waiting and there's a long line of traffic, and then you're like, well, this is my chance. I got a nose in. I got to go for it. Right. And then they end up with an accident. And that is, you know, really true because if the bridge, you know, when the bridge closes, I don't know how often the frequency of the bridge closing, but it seems like every time I try to go over in the summer, it's open. <laughs> I mean, it's closed. So, I mean, the cars pile up for like yeah. a mile. So there is no way, and all that traffic is, you know, moving north. And so, really, if you feel like you're never going to be able to get onto the highway, from Gordon Road is probably true. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. With that roundabout, at one point they said they weren't sure if they could do one there because of wetlands. Uh, this was like five or six years ago. Have they, I'm guessing there's some sort of things they can do with culverts or drainage to make that possible? Yeah. They had the person that I spoke with said that they, the money that they received, which is $2 million, which they received, and it requires a 10% match from the state of Wisconsin because it's federal money that they applied for. It's like highway transportation safety dollars. So it's federal money, but they're going to be rebuilding a box culvert there and doing like some property acquisitions. Okay. So that money is supposed to cover all of that. It doesn't even look to me. I'm not, I'm not an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll just say that right up front as if anybody couldn't guess, but it, I, I mean, it doesn't even look big enough to me for a roundabout. You know, when right. I look at the other two roundabouts, I'm like, how are they going to put a roundabout there? How but, do they fit it in? Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like they probably will have to take the property in front of that fireworks, you know, place. And then maybe some of the Culver's property. Yeah. I don't know. Well, enough about the roundabout. Yes. Then. Moving on to graffiti, Eph- graffiti and Ephraim. And we don't mean maybe in the term, well, sort of in the term that you might think of it in sort of an urban sense. But for, I don't know, 70 years, they've been painting, I, I guess they wouldn't call it graffiti on, I think the normal portion would call it graffiti, but they would say, hey, people are painting their names on the, the warehouse on Anderson Dock. That has been a long-held tradition. But now that graffiti has spread to the the dock, the the ba- Ballard, Ballards? Ballards? Ballards. 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 I'm not sure. It's something I like that that Ballard. sticks out of <laughs> I'm a writer. Can you believe that? Right. But, but you're talking it. Yeah. You're not writing it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you write out loud. 
Yeah, which I probably should do more. It makes it for better editing if you read it out loud. But then, then you find out you can't pronounce something, <laughs> so you just have to write around it. It's kind of crazy that people are just painting on everything. You know what I found really interesting about that story? That So Miles did this story for this week's paper. I didn't realize how it started, how people started writing graffiti mm. on those walls. Yeah, they. it starts with... You know, old back in the days when Ephraim was apparently a a place where people would ship goods <laughs> directly mm. to the pier there, and the ship captains when they delivered goods to the tourists and stores in Ephraim, they would sign the the warehouse with the the ship's name and the date that they were there, just kind kind of to mark their visit, which is a cool tradition. I don't know if that exists in other places. Mm. I mean, I haven't heard of it in somewhere else in Door County, but I'm I'm guessing maybe that exists elsewhere in the world. And after Anderson Dock stopped becoming a place for steamships and goods deliverers to, to dock and kind of went into basically it wasn't used for a while. And then when it kind of got a rebirth of a place for people to mark their connection to Door County in other ways. So people would start signing their name on it. High school kids would put their name in class year on it. Then people would start having, you know, a heart with your girlfriend or boyfriend's name in there. And at one point, we have a picture from 1974 that it, it actually extended to the entire roof was painted in names and things like that. Now, they try to limit it just to the siding. And every few years, they actually paint over some of that siding to create a new canvas. Mm. Because as Door County's, as I was writing the story, I actually thought about this. I'm like, oh, I, you know what? In some ways, it sort of makes sense that it's spreading because there's more people coming up here. Anderson Dock is one of those the most photographed places in the county, and it really is a pretty unique thing if you're yes. driving through this. It's funny that it exists in Ephraim, right? The, yeah. The most picturesque, clean, we need every building to be white town. And it's the place that has a building full of <laughs> graffiti. It's Which kinda... opens it up to that. That's the first thought that I had is that this is color creep in Ephraim. <laughs> they have the perfect canvas yeah. for the entire town to be painted. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, I mean, when I saw the photos of where all of the graffiti is now on the rocks, on the, I mean, everywhere, I thought, that is so cool. It could creep uh -oh. right into Ephraim, right into the town. And they're spending lots of money to prevent that from happening. Yeah, well, Brent Bristol, I'm sorry that Deb has just encouraged color creep in Ephraim. Um, I am sorry. I really am sorry. But it is just ironic. And I think it's actually just kind of cool. I know it's not cool for for Ephraim. But, I mean, it just seems like very unique, a unique tradition yeah. taken to an extreme and it would be really interesting if it started happening on the buildings in Ephraim. <laughs> oh, man. No. Sorry, sorry Wilsons. Um, this is not, do not do this in Ephraim. Please the, do not. So they've said, they're spending, it has spread all over the rocks, all yeah, over the dock. it really did. Yeah. And so they're spending $10,000 to, up to $10,000 to pressure wash all of that away this week. And it should be done, I think, probably by the time this podcast comes out. And the idea is to clean it up. They're trying to get the word out like, hey, we want you to paint the building. Just please don't paint everything else too. So they actually supply brushes and, and paint there to paint your name on the building. And some people have painted over the historical signs there. They've painted over some of the wayfinding signs. So in some ways it has been not just a nuisance, but a little disrespectful mm. of, of the place. Mm -hmm. And 
so they're, what they're trying to do is get people to, hey, we're not going to try and take a hard line of you can't do this. We're going to take enforcement action. But they're really just trying to go, hey, please do it in this spot that we've provided. And part of this is in a couple of years, within the next couple of years, they aim to do a lot of repair work to that dock too, and they want to make it worthwhile. So they may need to, at some point, either lift up the building and put a whole new layer of concrete down on the pier, or they might grind up the pier and and kind of rebuild it in a a more substantial way Mm. to just ensure that that warehouse and that little piece of history and tradition exists for the long haul. Mm. So they're planning on... and investing a bunch of money into that space, and they want to make sure that it, when they do that, they're not still trying to deal with this problem of people painting everywhere. Mm. And if they just spend a bunch of money, now you're going to have a bunch of people spending, painting all over something that they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on. Right. So that's what's happening with the graffiti in Ephraim. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, again, we just want a disclaimer on this podcast, which is we were not <laughs> condoning. I was not condoning painting other buildings in Ephraim. I just want to say that for the record. This is great. Now Deb is taking my space as the most hated person in Ephraim. <laughs> I do like the idea. I can't help it. <laughs> Rachel, this is a great place for you to put an ad in, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Let's talk about broadband. Broadband, okay. So a lot of towns have made big commitments, financial commitments, huge amount of time going into this. And they, some, some of them have chosen their providers that they're going to go with. And now some of them have to re-choose their provider. Give us a rundown on what's the latest on the many different broadband projects going on in Door County. Yeah, so everybody is pretty much at the same kind of stage, I would say. They are either crafting a request for proposal to select an internet service provider, or they have already done that process and selected an internet service provider. And some of them are going out for grants as well. So the town of Bailey's Harbor was on the mainland faster than other towns because it did already receive a grant. And that was a couple of years ago. So there was a latest round of grants that villages and towns applied for and Some of them, you know, got a grant and some of them did not get a grant. So that's kind of where everybody is. I mean, they're they're looking for an Internet service provider and they're trying to find the funding in order to be able to bring fiber to every single address within their community. And Sevastopol kind of had a little run of bad luck there because it selected an ISP that really was not equipped to do what it said that it could do unless it got other municipalities to join in, which it did not do. So, And that was bug tussle? Yes, it was bug tussle. They didn't get others. And so the, the town decided to sever that relationship. And they are going back to the drawing board, but not 
all the way back to the beginning because they put so much time into right. there. So this, they're just, you know, repeating that process. And this time, you know, they'll be able to select someone who other communities have already, you know, selected. Okay. Right now it's Insight, Bertram Communications, and Frontier. So those are the three that have been selected by different municipalities. Now, Jacksonport, which was the first to select Frontier, just received a grant. So Frontier was successful in getting that grant for them in the latest round. Clay Banks also applied for a grant. They're working with Bertram. They didn't get that one. The Village of Egg Harbor also applied for a grant. They're working with Frontier, too. Mm. And they didn't get one through Frontier. So it's not really the... When I looked at all of the grants that were, I think there were some 74, don't hold me to that. It was 72 or 74, something like that. And out of all of those grants that were allocated, Frontier, you know, had a lot of them out there. So it looked to me like it wasn't, you know, the provider. It was like the readiness of the project and how many people were going to be connected and Washington Island got the biggest one of those grants. It doesn't surprise me. I would assume like, if you're looking for some sort of infrastructure thing and, you're, and you can go, well, we have a unique situation. We are an island, <laughs> like in a remote area. And they can finish. Yeah, it's this, hard not to qualify. This finishes. They're, yeah. they're, it was upwards of $2 million. And so this finishes their project wow. over a number of years. So they will be, they went from the worst broadband in all of Door County to, to the best. Yep, to the best. Um, what else on the broadband front? We did get, which is really cool, Wisconsin received over a billion dollars in the federal money that mm-hmm. was being given out to all states in the District of Columbia and territories. So that was in the infrastructure bill, Biden's infrastructure bill. So they allocated this money based upon maps, based on upon the latest federal maps. And So for the past year or so, Wisconsin and other states were really trying to make sure that those maps were accurate. Right. So they would see how many people are unserved because before they updated those maps, it looked like everybody was served. Oh, yeah, because anybody who's looked at those kind of things in Door County, even like cell coverage maps and stuff, you're like, that is a load of crap. (laughs) Yes, right, exactly. So they did such a good effort of doing that that Wisconsin was like, Number 16 in terms of the size of its allocation. Wow. Well, Deb, thank you for all of the reporting you've been doing on the broadband topic for a couple of years now, because I know it's top of mind for so many people. It gets convoluted. It gets into the weeds, especially when you're talking about every community doing this at once. It'd be one thing if you were just following one town, but with literally everyone from Clay Banks to Liberty Grove attacking the same topic at the same time, that never happens. No, it doesn't. And I have to say what is made, I have to give a shout out to Jessica Hatch, who Mm. is the County of Doors broadband coordinator, because I think she's doing a fantastic job. I mean, I'm able to, she's, she's almost like a one-stop shop for me. Mm. And if she doesn't know about it, then, you know, it's easier for me to just contact that community and piece that part together. But she pretty much keeps a great eye on everything that's going on around all of the municipalities and has become a real clearinghouse and resource for everybody. So, And since we're talking about broadband and a lot of people are going to be listening to this as they make their way to Door County, maybe for the first time in, in months or first time this year, they might see some of those crews laying down some what looks like orange piping or <laughs> orange mm-hmm. cable on the side of the road. That's been going on for quite a while now. And they might say, oh, what is that? And 
Can you tell us what that is? Yes, it is Bertram Communications on Highway 57. So what they are doing is laying their middle mile fiber. Okay. So Bertram Communications used to be Door County Broadband. They are, you know, making a huge investment in this area and showing that they're making that huge investment. So mm. they're not doing this for any particular municipality. They're doing it to make an investment to lay their middle mile. Mm. So when they do get more municipalities, then they, they already got this that. infrastructure up here. Right. So they're taking a speculative approach of like, hey, we're going to put this, we're going to put our base here and hopefully you can see that we're doing this and Right. And it builds off of that. And it does. I mean, you know, I think it's an aggressive move. Mm -hmm. I mean, a smart business move, but aggressive because they're coming through a town like Bailey's Harbor and Bailey's Harbor is working with Insight. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do when there's fiber right there and Insight hasn't even started laying any fiber yet? Yeah. So you could, anybody off of Highway 57, where this middle mile is going right, you would be able to connect once wow. this is lit. Once it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, you look at how much work it's taken them to do this too. So if, and this has been months and months and months of them doing this, where I think it, they began last fall at some point. So it gives you an idea of how much work any of these other providers still have to do to get things going. But Thanks for all the work on the broadband stuff. We'll be covering Absolutely. it. Where I mean, we are basically covering it. It's yeah. like a, it's a whole beat of itself now. It is. One last topic before we let everyone go today. Sturgeon Bay has been working on their west waterfront development for nearly, a, well, over a decade now since the original plans came out. And if you want to stretch back even farther, you could go back to when the Door County Maritime Museum was built 25, 30 years ago. So decades-long process here. Lots of starts and stops. Obviously the granary has been a big part of that, but there's also been stops and starts regarding this terrace development, which more commonly might be called like the one barrel project. (laughs) One barrel South. Yeah. So there's been another turn in this story. So what, what's going on with that West waterfront project? It had stalled because the American transmission company, which had laid cable underneath the canal, they needed an easement and they apparently took land that, the easement wasn't beneath. Okay. So that kind of shifted. This little weird parcel of land is like at the base of the Oregon Maple Street Bridge. Okay. So it's just this weird configured little space. And so when they found out that the transmission cable wasn't actually in line with the easement, they had to stop the project. And then I guess it wasn't they weren't sure if it was even going to proceed. And then they had to go into negotiations to get some compensation for, you know, not having gone in line with the easement. So, so now they got that all worked out and there's, you know, additional incentives that are going to the developer who is Peter Gentry, who owns one barrel in egg Harbor and also Mm -hmm. in green Bay. Does he have uh, a Green Bay place? Madison. And so this terrace project is going to be a, you know, a beer and tap room with a deli. And it's supposed to be proceeding uh, with construction, I think, as early as this fall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So soon. So soon. So probably be open if all goes well for next summer. I think I'm so. I think he goal. had indicated, if I if I remember correctly, yes, it would be next year that it would be ready 
So one more small step moving forward with that, that West Waterfront. It's Granary been a couple is, of years for this one project. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy how slowly, and, and plus they had to do the methane mitigation as every property down there has to do. Yeah. Because apparently it's built on top of an old dump. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the whole, yes. I, I don't know exactly the extent of it, but apparently, yeah, it is. That's what it is. And so every property that is developed down there has to do that. This isn't my fight, but I think for writing's sake, Sturgeon Bay needs to name that bridge. Which they, one? The Maple to Oregon Street Bridge. What a clunky name. Yeah, it, it is. Like, is there somebody you can name that? Like Joseph Harris or whoever, built, that's who built the canal, right? Like pick uh-huh. somebody, find somebody you love, name it after them. So we don't have this clunky, confusing name for that bridge. You know, they could actually call it Healthy Way. Because... <laughs> All right, so so the grocery store is right there, Healthy Way Grocery Store. And even if the grocery store isn't there 100 years from now, Healthy Way is still That's, a nice sound. That is good. I mean, yeah, like we come full circle. We were talking about Penn Players Road, <laughs> the Culver's intersection. Yes. Now Healthy Way will get a bridge. I'm, right. I'm sure that's going to fly, Deb. Great Excellent. idea. <laughs> good. That'll, everything sails through in certain Bay. It'll be easy. Well, Deb, thanks for taking us through all of these different news items and projects and the broadband minutiae again. And um, I hope everybody has a great 4th of July. I mean, we're kicking it off this weekend for a lot of people and then rolling in. We might have another podcast before the 4th, but we're also going to be going crazy getting the paper out, so I would doubt it. Mm. So have a great Independence Day. Enjoy the parades. Enjoy the fireworks. And go see Deb and get a hamburger. All right. Thanks, Miles. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.